You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. If you ever wanted to uh, get somewhere, experience something, taste something, touch something, hear something so badly that you could hardly stand it. That's the way Susan and I were when we were traveling in Oregon last summer to uh, the falls. We wanted to go to the Minolta Falls just outside of Portland, and you see the beautiful image of it, a bridge, double falls, It was our last day of our destination in which we were heading that way. Y'all can bring your offering up later on, too. It's it's all right. It's good. We'll take it twice if you want to bring it. But um, I've never preached in 40 years and had people bring money to me while it's happening. So, oh, oh, it's not to me. Oh, we're cool with that. Thank you. And in the experience of trying to get to the falls, we had roadblocks. We were journeying west on the barrels. Uh, We we found barrels on the west entrance to the falls. And I was slowing down, but not slowing down enough. And as I was just going past the entrance, I noticed that there was an empty parking space or two. But I was heading on too fast. And I couldn't, I could have imagined in my mind that if we'd have gone slower, I could have maneuvered my way around the barrel and got into the parking lot and seen the falls. But we journeyed on to the next exit and I turned around and I went to the eastbound exit, only this time to find a gate that was breaking the entrance, blocking the entrance to the wall, to the falls. I was not going to crash through the gate. We journeyed on. And then we went back to the original place where we had lunch that day to find a garbage collector, and we asked him, do you have any idea of another access we can find to the falls? And he said, you might try the historic Columbia River Highway. Take that exit. Maybe they'll let you in there. And so we took that exit. There were signs that said, closed. No entrance. I drove by the signs anyway. I drove around the corner into this, past this parking lot that was empty, and I was heading right toward the entrance when there was a security guard that was very animated and said, no, no, stop. Get out of here. I thought he was going to have a hissy fit right there in front of me. And by this time, I'm, I'm just unbelievably frustrated. And I stopped the car because he has a gun and I don't. (laughs) 
And as I stopped the car, the reality is that Susan and I are not going to make it to the falls that day. It's our last day of our journey. And so we head back west toward Portland once again, going past the original exit with the barrels, and this time there's all kinds of blockades up. And as we go past, we notice there's all kinds of people that are walking up toward the falls. We get to our hotel room that night, and there's a poor imitation of the falls and a portrait hanging on the wall. I get back and I talk to Tim Smith, and Tim Smith says, oh, we've, we've been to the falls many times. It's an incredible experience. <laughs> he says, it's wonderful. It's about a mile hike up there. You can go across this beautiful bridge, and you can go clear up to the top. And you know what I'm thinking? Well, good for you. <laughs> no, I'm actually happy that Tim has had that experience. But... The reason I say all that is to say this, that in the midst of that experience, I really felt like God was speaking to me. And what God said to me was that the frustration of trying to gain access to the falls is what many people are experiencing in trying to find their access to me. And I realized that in that moment, God was wanting to say something that he wanted me to pass on to you today. And so in, in, in the midst of this life that we're living and in, in this midst of the understanding of the flow of grace, and you see the image of the, of the falls, and you see the beautiful image of the cross with the water flowing, cascading, the grace of God cascading from the cross, that's one of the images that I hope is very clearly transported in your mind this morning. That there are, just as there were barrels and gates and human guards blocking my entrance to the cascade of the falls, there are realities of barriers that are trying to block us away from finding access to God. So perhaps uh, this describes you. You're a seeker of God this morning. And you've traveled well-marked religious trails, ways that people have prescribed for you. And you've consulted human guides, and yet time and again, You've hit roadblocks. So let me ask you about the barrels in your life. What are some possible barriers in your life? Busyness. That's one of the things I'm going to talk about later this morning, busyness. Where do you find yourself in the story? What are the barrels? Four things I want to name. Taylor, if we can pop them up there. We can hide behind theological arguments and philosophical discussions. That's one thing. We can engage in a lot of different Bible studies, and we can talk theology 
until we're tone deaf. We can enter into all kinds of theological and philosophical discussions. We can hide behind that stuff and never really have access to God. And if we're great thinkers and we're great intellectual people, that, that could be easily done. Or we can allow human beings to intimidate us. We can allow other people that have spoken uh, blockages into our life. Who are the human guards in your life? Who are the people in your life that have discouraged you from accessing God? Later on this morning, I'm going to talk about the primary person that has blocked me from my access to God. And it may surprise you who that person is. We can decide uh, that we're just aren't the spiritual type, you know. This person's spiritual, that person's spiritual, but I'm not spiritual. And yet we all have our own personalities and our ways in which God is reaching us and touching us. And we're convinced that God would be interested in people. We're convinced that God is not interested in people like us is one of the big barriers. I think there's a lot of people in our lives, people that we walk around with every day in our daily life and we experience in our daily life that they just don't believe that, well, they're not a religious person, which is not what God calls us to do anyway. They don't feel like God really could care and love them. They feel like they're on the fringes or they're looked down upon for who they are. They've got too many obstacles and too many things and too much junk in their life. And maybe that person is you. You know, Jesus was really good at reaching people who felt that way about themselves. Jesus was the great rule breaker. I love uh, J.D. Walt's uh, words in the daily text, and, and I've never had a personal conversation with J.D. in my life, but sometimes I think he's reading my mail. But what he said this week about Jesus uh, breaking the norm, being the great norm breaker, being the new normal, that if you get outside the norm, there's people that will try to push you aside or, or try to get you in line. Jesus was a great rule breaker, and Jesus was the one that reached out to the person, particularly the person that didn't feel like they belonged. Many of you know the story of the woman of Samaria that Jesus meets in the Gospel of John, the fourth chapter, and I'm not going to read that text for you this morning, but you're invited to look at that. You're invited to look at the Bible now. You're invited to, to, to just think about that in the story. You're invited to look at that story later on today. But in the Gospel of John, the fourth chapter, there's an encounter where Jesus sits down with a woman at a well in Samaria. And he speaks to her. Now, Jesus breaks the rules because you weren't supposed to speak to a woman. And being Jew, you're not supposed to speak to a Samaritan. And you weren't supposed to speak to a person like her because she had a terrible reputation. She had a hard life. She had been married five times, divorced, and the person she was living with was not her husband. And yet Jesus 
recognized her, spoke to her in the middle of the day at noon. And it's interesting that she was there at noon because most likely she was there because nobody, well, she didn't want to be around anybody else in the community because everybody was looking down on her. Most people would go to the welcoming, to the, to the watering hole, to Jacob's well in the morning or the evening, but she was there at noon. But Jesus spoke to her and recognized her and entered into a spiritual conversation with her and told her everything about her life. And she was really trying to put up the barriers and, and hide behind the theological discussion. She said, well, you Jews say we worship in the temple. And we say we worship on this mountain. What do you say? And it was here that Jesus said those words, that the hour is coming and now is when the worshipers, the true worshipers, will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Would you say those words with me? The hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. So today is an opportunity for us. We, we set aside the morning, the four-hour experience of just worship continuously in this place. And everyone is free to come and go. So when you normally leave the sanctuary, you can leave the sanctuary. You can come and go. Or you can go and come back. Or you can go and never come back. But the point is that we felt like God wanted us to mix things up a bit. To remind us who the audience is. Soren Kierkegaard years ago said, you know, if you put it in the terms of a play, the actors up on the stage, we're, we're, not, we're not the actors, the people on the stage up in the chancel. And you out there in the pews, you're not the audience. Well, then who's the audience? God is the audience. And so worship will continue, and there will be worshipers in the room all morning long, and God will be pleased. Because in a world in which we are consumers of worship, and we're consumers, and, and we think things are all about us and pleasing us, we need the reminder that God is calling us to be consumed by worship. And so God will be pleased because we are offering up our worship to him, not just today, but every day. And that God is inviting every one of us then to have access to God. Now, going back to the metaphor then, if I'm not the actor, I'm just the one to give the cues who are the actors? Who are the people that are acting out worship? 
Who are the ones that are acting out worship before God this morning? All of you, all of us. God is our audience. And God, we seek to please you this morning. And so we want to be the people that invite God, God's presence into our life, and to enter into the presence of God. And to begin to identify in our life, what are the, the barrels? What are the barriers? What are the guards? What are the ways that keep us from accessing God? Let's go to Hebrews chapter 4. And let's listen and look at these words of invitation to all of us. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings as we do. And all the ways in which we have been blocked, in all the ways in which we struggle, in all the ways of what it means to be human, our great high priest, Jesus, he, he's gone through all that. Yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Let's come boldly to our gracious God. And there we will receive his mercy and we will find his grace to help us when we need it most. That's an open invitation, isn't it? There is nothing that can keep me away from accessing God's grace. And I can begin to name the burial, barrels and the, and the barricades that, that seek to prevent me. And I can slow down and I can maneuver around those things or I can plow through those things. But the reality is that Jesus has opened that all up. Jesus has removed all the barriers. Jesus has removed the gate. Now, let's read on to see what, what he's done for us in Hebrews. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can come boldly, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and living way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right now into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting Him. I want to read those words again. That, that's the invitation. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting Him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. Isn't that beautiful? For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood 
to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. All of us have access to God. This morning, uh, as we go into another segment of worship, what we want to do is to invite you to claim that promise and to live into that reality, to, to enter into the fullness of the reality that God's presence is here. And to recognize that this is not simply the temple of the Holy Spirit, this building, but we are human temples of the Holy Spirit where God's Spirit dwells and lives in us.